Hi guys and thanks for tuning in to the Not The Top 20 betting show. We're sponsored by Black Type Bet. Black Type are offering you a £10 free football selection. If you have not already signed up to Black Type and you'd like to give it a go ahead of the Easter Monday fixtures, all you have to do is sign up to Black Type using the code NTT20 and when you make a football selection, be it one of ours today or one of your own, you'll see a £10 free football bet pop up in the bet slip. If you do have a Black Type account, Scoreboard is the way of taking a bit more cash off them. They're offering £20 for anyone who can predict a game on Easter Monday that'll be nil-nil and another one that will have over 4.5 goals, five goals or more. We had no winners on Good Friday, so plenty up for grabs there. I'm joined by George Ellick. We're on the phone because it is, of course, Easter weekend. It is north of 20 degrees outside. So what better way, George, than to sit inside and talk about uh, uh, Football League football? I'm very, very happy Easter to you as well. Um, And as you say, it's all quite hectic. Um, Not much time to digest what happened yesterday and and find some bets for Monday. But we've tried it. Um, And a a good, a good Saturday. Sorry, a good, good Friday for you. (laughs) A good, good Friday. I did good Friday, having boosted your selections with some quite random markets. You seem to have uh, paid, you know, it's paid dividends. Uh, you were plus 4.8 for the week, for, for, sorry, for Good Friday. Won your match in focus, which was the both teams scoring either win with a very, very late goal uh, for Pompey. You won your nap as well and your League 2 bet. So you were plus 4.8. I had the shorter selections, which meant that I was winning as well, but not quite at the rate that you did. So I was plus 0.42, leaving me minus 14.99, you minus 22.57. And if I know you, like I think I do, I think you're going to think that this is this game is becoming winnable for you in, in our race for uh, in, in our race to see who who's the worst, who's better of the worst off. Well, we famously have have different definition of what the word winnable means, but yes, I am excited. I'm within 8 points now, so that is genuinely uh, could be a, a one-week big swing either way, a bad week for you and another good one for me. Having said that, I'm not feeling too smart because I'm I'm recognising that I got slightly lucky. I mean, we literally won the same three bets um, on the matching focus uh, on Coventry and in crew, and I just boosted them and, and more or less got away with it. But um, I don't feel particularly smug because... Uh, I, I certainly am aware that I got a bit of luck, but we complain uh, when it happens the other way. So, so um, you know, fair enough. Evens itself out over the course of the season, as they say about refereeing decisions and unlucky winners slash lucky winners. Let's talk about our match in focus, George, which is Stevenage against Exeter in League Two. Now, a lot of people listen who only focus on the Championship or only focus on League One. And those who only focus on League Two will already know why this is a big game. Let me explain why it's worth our while uh, to the others. Exeter started Good Friday in seventh place, which is the final playoff spot in League Two. Um, they were four points ahead of Carlisle and five ahead of Newport, Colchester, and Stevenage. And they had a lovely early fixture, 1 pm kickoff at home to Crawley, down towards the bottom end of League Two. They had picked up just 15 points from 21 away games from that point. So it was truly a lovely chance for Exeter in the sunshine uh, in Devon to put seven or eight points between themselves and the, and the playoff hopefuls below them. Well, by 1.45, they were 2-0 down at home to Crawley. By 2.45, they'd lost 3-1, their third home loss against a team in the bottom eight this season. Uh, and by 5pm, 
the four teams I mentioned above had all won, uh, meaning that they are now one point above Carlisle and two above Stevenage, Colchester and Newport, and they travel to Stevenage on Monday, who themselves have won three games in a row. So Exeter feeling the heat somewhat, George. Have you got any encouraging thoughts for them? Any words of encouragement for nervy uh, Exeter fans? Yeah, not really. Um, I, I guess the only thing you can say maybe is a positive for them is that their band runs a form of come um, at times where they've been in, in good positions and, and now that it's precarious again, that might trigger some kind of an upturn in form. But I mean, that is a shocking result on Friday. Um, we spoke about your good, good Friday. This is a abysmally bad good Friday for, for Exeter. Um, and, and they come into this now, I mean, by far and away the biggest game of the season. Um, I flagged it last time we spoke that Stevenage had an outside shot of getting getting involved because of this game uh, and it's been obviously been a massive uh, boost for them to be able to close down those three points on Exeter ahead of this game and, and if they win this here then they must be in the driving seat although as you mentioned with the teams around them winning as well it's, it's, it's a five horse race um, if, so... if you look at the fixtures I mean we won't go through every team who's in with its individual fixtures but just to, to further compound the misery on Exeter uh, they've got Stevenage away they've got Oldham who aren't that far below it, it, at home and then Forest Green away on final day I guess that the silver lining is that Forest Green will probably just rest players for that one that their playoff place will be assured but they are not easy fixtures for this Exeter side uh, maybe on the flip side maybe they're a team that that plays a little bit better against the better sides yeah I mean there's definitely something in that neither manager for Stevenage or, or, or Exeter have, have ever really been in this position before so they can't um, look back for any experience I, I guess being a member of the backroom staff at Exeter uh, means that there is certainly playoff experience given um, the, the, the few seasons they had under Paul Tisdale before he left. I'm sure Dean um, had experienced something similar when he was Graham Wesley's assistant. I don't know that for sure, but I'm sure he went through plenty. Yeah, exactly. But, but having said that, they've, they've never actually taken charge of these games. So, um, I mean, I, I find it very, very difficult to to support Exeter here. Um, their away form is is pretty shocking. If you're looking at recent results away from home, um, they were beaten by by Macclesfield. Uh, they were they were beaten by so they they drew one all at, at Cheltenham, which is an okay result. They beat Notts County, but even so, I mean the the, the strength they've had this season has generally been at home um, against better teams, albeit. Whereas for Stevenage, there's very little to lose here, and um, and and. Dino spoke about it on the pod a few months ago, towards the beginning of the season, where he said he had a squad that he felt dealt very well with the bigger games, and he had a squad that, that rose to the occasion, and, and this is certainly one of those occasions. Um, they are priced up quite short, um, at kind of 7-5, to five, I think, black type are at the moment. So you're not going to get too much bang for your buck there. But I'm looking at the, the match result in both teams to score market. Um, we've seen this extra team leaking a lot of goals recently. They've conceded three against Crawley, as we said on Friday. Um, conceding three on the road to Macclesfield as well in games that they lost but did score in, scoring two at Macclesfield and obviously getting the getting the goal on Friday. Um, also the 4-1 loss against Mansfield as well. Suggests so this is a team who, even when, when they're not playing particularly well or, or the going gets tough, um, have enough about them to, to get goals. Um, I, I, as I say, I think Stevenage are coming to this game in, in a far better position, a lot less pressure um, on them to perform because there aren't really any expectations to get into that top seven. Um, so, yes, yeah, so Stevenage and both teams to score at four to one is my selection. Here. Nice, a nice bold selection. Trying to keep the wolf, which is me, from the door. <laughs> um, I, I just wanted to mention that one of the big things about Stevenage's upturn in form is a, a change of shape. Uh, 
They've got a young defender called Terence Van Kooten, and he is from my memory of, of managing them on Football Manager last season. A sort of right-sided centre-half, a, a, a bit of a mix between a right-back and a centre-back, still at the start of his career. And he basically came... He's saying he's defender, right-central and football manager. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, I was, trying to, I was trying to find the proper analysis way of saying that. But yes, a defender, <laughs> right, slash centre. Um, and, uh, and what has been quite interesting is he's come back into the team three games ago after an injury. And it was almost like... Mamre must have dreamt this up while he was out and, and wanted to give it a go. He, he switched to 3-4-3 or 3-4-2-1 with Chair and Sonupe um, behind Guthrie. And uh, we've spoken about this sort of formation quite a lot before. The good, the good thing, like when Chelsea did it and it freed up Hazard from defensive responsibilities, like when Wolves did it and it freed up the likes of Diego Hotter and Cavalero and Helda Costa from defensive um, uh, responsibilities. Well, I think it's kind of the feeling was for Chair, this would be a good move. He can play tucked in off the left. Uh, he doesn't have to do too much defensively. And he can support Guthrie, who's a, who's a very good target man and who, who on his day is dangerous. Sonupe, uh, more of a pacey winger, as we saw with an amazing solo goal on Good Friday. He can play on the sort of right channel and he can drift wide. And Van Kooten settled into the right side of a back three uh, with Cuthbert in the middle, who's been ever present for them. And Ben Nugent, who's a nice lefty centre-back, good passer of the ball, used to be at Crewe. And wing-backs Joe Martin, who is completely out in the cold. Um, a good left-back for this level. I'm not quite sure why he wasn't involved in the first half of the season, but he's back in. And Wilding, the right-back, who's been a, a real bright spot for them this season. And Arthur Ionton, who we saw at the EFL Awards. He was one of the apprentices of the year. In fact, he was League Two Apprentice of the Year. He's been playing in, in central midfield alongside Timlin. So it's interesting to see a, a change of shape after 40 games of a season. But it's worked. Three big wins, uh, a 2-0 against Grimsby, 3-0 against Carlisle and 4-1 against Port Vale. So it's clearly uh, had an impact for Stevenage. And I think that's that's really impressive and good to see some versatility from, from a, a manager in Dino Marmria. Um, who also, at the early part of the season, had this Stevenage side competing very well and pick up some eye-catching results. So um, that's going to be an interesting aspect to this. From an extra point of view, I just wanted to mention that Ryan Bowman did score a lovely goal on Friday. And he, I mean, it's very rare that when a League 2 player has a player, League 2 team has a player as good as Jaden Stockley, and you know they're going to lose them and they end up losing them, how often do we see that team actually plan forward with their recruitment and, and get someone in either before they go or, or immediately afterwards. Very, very rare, I would suggest. So for them to have got Bowman in immediately, to have lined him up uh, and him to start to fill the gap is, is quite impressive. Um, I, I'm a bit nervous for Exeter, but despite what I've said about the formation change for Stevenage, I, I cannot bring myself to throw everything behind them, I think, here. Th that three-game winning run, my I sort of lean towards thinking that means it, it will end soon rather than <laughs> that means they're suddenly amazing and, and, and will win every game. So I, I think given how much Exeter will be keen not to lose this one, I think they, Exeter, will be all right with a draw probably. And I'm going to pick the draw at nine to four. Um, I think that um, I'm, I just I worry a little bit with Stevenage not maybe being suited to playing on the front foot, to being a, the, the team sort of attacking... Uh, or having more attacking intent, I'm not sure that will suit them. So um, I'm going for a draw there at nine to four. So get us going with your best bet, George, with your nap uh, this weekend. We, we both won our nap on Good Friday, uh, and let's hope to continue that this time. Yeah, my my nap is 
I like this one. Um, it's Charlton at home to Scunthorpe at five to six. Um, Lovely. I cannot understand that price at all. Um, Charlton, despite losing to Oxford on Good Friday, were for all intents and purposes the better team um, completely dominating the the shots uh, stats and, and the XG data as well um, they scored for a penalty from Lyle Taylor and conceded from two set pieces generally defensively they've been superb this season as can be shown again by the fact I think Oxford only had two shots on target um, if, I assume if Charlton had won the game they'd be a lot shorter than 5-6 to six. Uh, Scunthorpe are, are desperate um, no, no real reaction from from sacking Stuart McCall. Um, they they drew nil nil with with Blackpool in a pretty dire game uh, on Good Friday. That they, they have very little going from going forward. I I can't really see how they go to the Valley and cause Charlton any kind of problem uh, really. And and Charlton have been in very good form. And there's no reason for that to to stop. I'm, I'm amazed that it's five to six. Like, I'm amazed. I, I can't really work out why, but I'm hoping to profit from it. Yeah, I I. I can't believe I missed that to be quite honest with you Um, (laughs) I mean Charlton's home form in the last few months has been nothing short of sensational Um, a a run of consecutive wins that stretches to four Um, they haven't lost at home in fact since the 6th of October when they lost at it's home absolutely to, ridiculous. Uh, to I, I don't understand. Very, very strange. Okay, really nice. Uh, uh, I'm not going to change mine to match yours, and <laughs> I kind of wish that I could. Um, uh, my nap is MK Dons minus one at seven to four. As the, those who listened to um, the show previewing Good Friday will know, and hopefully will have celebrated uh, my my boldness paid off. And it's a boldness born out of desperation, really. I have to try and make up ground on you, and I, I'm trying to do so by boosting the odds a little bit. I'm well aware that this should result in a, in a real fall from grace, but who knows? Um, I do like MK Dons at 7-4, to four, minus 1 on the handicap here. They're at home to Port Vale. Now, Vale are sort of done basically aren't they they lost 4-1 to Stevenage on on uh, on Friday and they lost ex to Exeter before then previously a couple of well a good run of form had, had basically lifted them well clear of the relegation zone so no chance of that for them um, they're just sort of petering out to the end of the season and, and looking ahead wondering what will happen with the owner etc I don't see them therefore in terms of being up for it that very hard to measure concept um, I don't see them necessarily heading to Stadium MK feeling particularly excited to play against an MK Dons team that we know to be a, a team that passes you off the park, that, that that play very well, that create a lot of chances. So um, MK Dons, for, from their side of things, I mean, they, they have to be up for it because they really need to go to that final day game against Mansfield in at least third place, if not second. Um, and, and they you know, that, that's that's desperate for them now. Um, they've got a, a strong home record this season. They've got a very good record against the bad teams. Um, from Northampton, who are 15th below, uh, they have won eight and drawn one, uh, lost none, of course, of those games. So they're good at beating these teams, generally do so to nil. Uh, they've covered the handicap in, in five of those eight wins. My worry here is that Port Vale's away games are really low scoring. And this is one of those things that you discover after 43 games and you wonder why you didn't know beforehand. But Vale have, <laughs> vale have, have got the best away record, uh, defensive record away from home in League Two, which is com- so is weird. Extraordinary. They've only conceded yeah. 18 goals, which is 0.8 per game. But they've that only, is 
Very odd. I know, I know, right? They've only scored 13, which is 0.6 per game. So that's why we haven't realised, because they haven't been picking up that many points, but they have got this might, weird... Might change my long shot to nil-nil uh, MK Dons Port Vale. I yeah, <laughs> I think you should do that. I think you should do that. I'm going to go for MK Dons. I think they can get ahead here. And what we're seeing in the last few weeks is the use of Chucks and EK off the bench. I was a bit worried that this was some sort of contract dispute with him out of contract in the summer and maybe not committing. I don't, th- I don't know that that is the case, to be honest. And I think, uh, and Sam Parkin mentioned it on the Quest show on, on Good Friday, that what we've seen in the last few weeks is when he can come on uh, when the defence is a bit more stretched and a bit tired, he has got such quality and the physical attributes to just absolutely run riot. We saw it with a solo goal against Yeovil. We saw it on Friday. Um, and so, I, you know, if, if someone wanted an extra nibble, I would look at Anike to score last in this one as well. Um, but for the purpose of my nap, it's MK Don's minus one uh, at seven to four. So just under two to one, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy to get that. Where are you going in the championship this week? Griffin Park for the big one. Mm. Uh, Brentford against Leeds. Leeds obviously having an absolute shocker on Good Friday. Um, not unable to beat a 10-man Wigan with a one-goal lead at Ellen Road um, and kind of, I mean, well, it's, it's basically put Sheffield United in the in the driving seat in that race for seconds um, and they, I mean, it's, this is basically a terrible game for them to have now because Brentford, for all of their faults, are just a completely different team home and away. Um, one win in their last six may put you off, but only two of those games have been at Griffin Park. Uh, they, they beat Ipswich for the easy you'd expect uh, and had a three-all draw with Derby as well. Um, but uh, and I'd, I'd basically back. They're 5-2 they're to two at the moment. The price has gone a little bit. It was a bit bigger this morning. Um, and I think that you can basically back Brentford at that price at home against anyone, and, and you'll be getting value. Um, I, I Yeah, I mean, even if they were coming up against Leeds, when Leeds were, were in their pomp, I'd still be backing them. Um, what, in, yeah. the, in the 70s? <laughs> no. No. Um, <laughs> But uh, Billy Bremner. Um, but uh, if he was playing, I'd be all over it. Uh, it's um, yeah. But it's, it's just. I mean, obviously, Ben Rama out injured is not ideal. Um, and from what I've seen, Mark Hondes isn't quite a like like replacement. Um, I don't think he has the impact that Ben Rama has. Dalsgaard getting sent off as well means that he'll be suspended. Um, some doubts over over Soyer's fitness too isn't ideal. But at five to two, I mean, it's, it's it's a big price for a team who can play without any pressure. Unlike Leeds, who who have shown signs of both buckling under the pressure, and also possibly some signs of fatigue as well. So, at five to two, um, I think it's too good to to turn down. I'm gonna go with Norwich away at Stoke. I feel like I've picked Norwich quite a lot this season. They're probably. Uh, we'll get a spreadsheet out over the summer when I'm really bored and have a few days. Uh, Jesus. When I have a few days and we'll work out who's made us the most money and what we're... If, you're ever, if you're ever that bored, I'll give you something to do rather than doing that that's more useful, I think. <laughs> all right, boss. All right. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm going to pick Norwich away at Stoke. They're 21 to 20, just over even money with black type. Uh, I'm going to talk about Stoke first. One of the reasons why I'm so happy to oppose them at the moment, although we spoke the other day about how good their defensive record has been recently, um, uh, in terms of results, we know that they're, they're, they're not doing particularly well at the moment. The key thing for me here is they are changing and chopping and chopping and changing a lot at the moment. And I must say, 
I complete. I think it's absolutely the right thing for Nathan Jones to be doing. I know there's a, a section of fans who are frustrated by the results and by the performances, and I, I'm I'm absolutely loath to tell any fan of any club what they should think here. But these games genuinely don't matter. Like they don't matter. The results, I should say, of these games don't matter in any way whatsoever. And by August, they will matter a lot. The whole expectation changes. I think Stoke, depending on what happens over the summer, will probably still be among the bookies' favourites for promotion next season. They will still have a very good squad. And, and in Nathan Jones, they will have a manager to whom they, as far as I can tell, will have said, have six months to bed in, change the change the whole atmosphere around the place, change the culture, and let's go in, in 1920. What that means is he is just trying everything. He's trying different personnel. I think they've had 18 or 16 or 18 different starters in the last six games. Uh, on Friday, a 17-year-old centre-back, Nathan Collins, started his first game. Looks like a hell of a prospect, by the way. Really, really. Um, he, he's one of those guys who's already talked about as a leader, despite the fact he's literally 17 years old uh, and played well against Middlesbrough in that defeat. I guess, like, from a betting point of view, and not trying to be rude, but, you know, if Jones is 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 making these sorts of decisions and happy to play 17-year-olds, then against literally the best team in the league, I, I would I would think that's good to be on the side of the opposition. So Norwich are a team, uh, conversely, who are very settled, who are getting Buendia back from injury. The most ridiculous stats... Suspension. Sorry, from, from suspension. You're absolutely right. The most absurd stats, I think, maybe... Uh, in the whole of the championship, I, 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 we need to compare these to Grealish, but there's eight games that Wendy hasn't featured in and Norwich have got five points from those eight games this season. He's featured in 35 games and they've got 82 points from those games, uh, which is simply ridiculous. Uh, they've got four points more than anyone else in the division away from home, Norwich. Uh, and we've mentioned a few times before they arguably look even more comfortable playing away from home. So I think this this Stoke side, which is experimental, which is changing shape pretty much week to week, uh, I'm comfortable that Norwich, with plenty of reason to go there and, and get the win, um, can do so, will do so. So 21 to 20, my, my championship selection is Norwich. I think you've got League 2 now, don't you? And then I've got League 1. So you, you take us through your League 2 pick. Yeah, League 2 pick um, is Forest Green at home to Cambridge. At nineteen to twenty. Ah, Forest um, Green. Oh, I love Forest Green, <laughs> yeah. um, and they are in very good form. I mean, a massive win for them on Friday, going to Tranmere and getting that one 0 win. One of the hardest places to go in the league, um, and just cementing their playoff uh, place. Really, you'd think now, um, and and almost scuppering Tranmere's automatic promotion hopes at the same time. Could be quite a lively encounter if those two meet to meet again. In May, um, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're playing very well. They won three on the bounce. Um, Colin Calderwood's Cambridge, um, it's fair to say, are pretty miserable. Um, again, I mean, as what you've just been saying about Nathan Jones, I think it's a work in progress. He's Calderwood is, is tinker, tinkering with systems and personnel in order to, to find out where he is ahead of the summer so he can rebuild and have a good go next season. Um, but they haven't scored since the 3 0 win against Berry. That's three games uh, out of which they've only picked up one, one point. Um, it's just a simple case of, of the home uh, team here being a class above and enjoying home comforts. So at 19 to 20, I think that's a fair price for, for Forest Green to uh, to get a fourth one on the bounce. Lovely job. Uh, in League One, I'm picking Burton Albion. Uh, I've got them eight to five on black type to uh, 
uh, win away at South End. So that's 2.6 in the decimal. Now, I went back and had a look at what price they were against Scunthorpe the other day at Glanford Park when they won 3-0. That was last weekend, the weekend before Easter. They went off 2.39 in that game. Um, So for them to be 2.6, and actually when I checked last night, they were more like 2.75, I couldn't quite get my head around that because nothing about their defeat to Portsmouth puts me off this Burton side. Uh, They were unbelievably unlucky to lose that game, both in terms of refereeing decisions going against them the winning goal should never have stood the fact that they were looking more likely to to score the winning goal in my opinion um, before uh, when it was level and the fact that they generally played quite well and and we previewed that game in depth so there's no surprise to listen to the pod that we're quite hot on Burton at the moment so um, on on the flip side uh, a South End performance at Walsall that was okay in comparison to what we'd seen before from them in their last six games or so, in fact, in the last two two months or so, I was impressed with Southend in the context of that game against Walsall. I suspect a large part of that was down to just how poor Walsall are or were. Southend also unbelievably hard done by not to win that game. Uh, one of the more bizarre refereeing performances I've ever seen. You know we don't like to talk about referees on the podcast because it does not translate very well to audio. But uh, for, to, to show someone two yellow cards and not send them off is just sensational behaviour. To blow the whistle for half-time as the goalkeeper is still in the air having just claimed a, a high ball um, to blow for half-time as he is about to hit the ground, only for him to fumble it uh, and the ball to get tapped in, but you've already blown up for half-time, was something I, I've not seen before. So Southend can feel hard done by. I don't think that they are particularly good. That is of no surprise. I think Burton are, are much better, a team playing with confidence and quality at the moment. So for them to be uh, at 2.6, 8-5... Uh, I'm very happy to have them on side in League One. So there is another League One price that I'm very interested in, but that will form part of my long shot, which you'll see in just a moment. Uh, where are you going both teams to score-wise? Shrewsbury, Shrewsbury, I should say, uh, against Oxford. Um, the angle being that Simon Eastwood um, is going to be suspended for the game, meaning that Jack Stevens, local boy Jack Stevens, will, will get the gloves. Is he better um, than Eve Macalambi? Yes, I mean, I, I really hope so. Um, <laughs> he did make a great save, didn't he? He made a really good save. I mean, like a, a, I don't know, a weird double save where he saved it and then had to get up and stop the ball from going in again um, without it touching anyone else. But, um, yeah, I mean, by all means, he, he sounds like he's a, he's a decent keeper and he's a good prospect, but this will be his first league start for the club um, against the Shrewsbury team who, who are very, very desperate for results. Uh, Oxford obviously had fantastic form at the moment, um, scoring goals fairly comfortably and regularly um i still don't really understand uh the way that we play particularly <laughs> um you, you couldn't say there's a, there's a discernible style but carl robinson's definitely getting a tune out of this group of players and there's a, a togetherness between the players and the club and the fans that has been lacking um in recent months uh this season so that's good as well um so yeah and even money just with the, with the angle of having a rookie keeper in goal uh, going away to a team who who have struggled to keep goals out this season. Um, I can see it being fairly open and, and it's a huge game for Shrewsbury as well. And uh, definitely what we've seen because of the good good run of form, despite these games feasibly being you know dead rubbers for Oxford, there's a massive push from from the players. Um, I'm sure we'll take a big following. Um, you know, we aren't 
downing tools for the summer. Um, no chance of that. So yeah, even money, both teams to score. Shrewsbury against Oxford. Oxford ending this season as a, a top half League One team is uh, one of the more <laughs> confusing things that that uh, that I can think of since we've been doing the podcast. But um, second in the form <laughs> table in League One over the last six games, just behind Portsmouth, who have, of course have won all six. Oxford with five wins and one draw in their last six, just conceding the three goals. So um, sensational, really, but still very confusing. And uh, I look forward to seeing what we predict Oxford to do next season. Um, um, look, my both teams to score pick is is no in Wick and Walsall. I I tipped up no on the, the, good, the good Friday preview pod and uh, that ridiculous 94th minute penalty that Walsall scored meant that that was not a winner in that Southend Walsall game. But again, I, I watched that game and I saw absolutely nothing uh, to suggest that Walsall have anything going forward have any confidence and to say that that goal was anything other than uh, blind luck uh, a bit of a dive perhaps uh, and an incredibly ropey referee so uh, it's a Walsall side that have scored six goals in their last eight against a Wickham side that have scored six goals in their last eight Um, it's a difficult one because you do think you know someone's got to have the ball in this game and someone at some point will have to be on the attack but it's hard to it's hard to feel too strongly that either side's attack is is particularly good so um btts no wick and walsall for me that is 10 to 11 uh, just under even money on on black type so what about the long shots at this stage of the season george where a winning long shot could make a monstrous difference yes yeah, fantastic news for sunderland fans this because yet again i'm not learning from my mistakes and I'm getting against Sunderland, um, who travel to Peterborough. Um, in fairness, this is more about Peterborough than it is about Sunderland. Um, I need to... I think I owe Darren Ferguson a bit of an apology, um, to be honest. I think so, too. Because because since I ridiculed the decision to, to give him a full-time contract, they've been very good indeed. And they should have beaten Fleetwood yesterday. Um, 1-0 up for, for large um, swathes of the game. Um, but... Uh, missed a penalty, I think I'm right in saying, and um, also, I mean, basically just conceded an injury time goal to Fleetwoods, um, so unable to convert, and that was the first goal they've conceded in their last four. Um, Sunderland very, very impressive against Doncaster. Didn't really give Donny much of a, a sniff, except for um, hitting the post from a set piece. Um, but their away form um, recently has been better. I mean, the Accrington game was an example of, of how good they can be, but I still just think they are a different team away from uh, the Stadium of Light. And this is such a big game for Posh. After Sunderland did them that favour by beating Doncaster, if they can win this, then they really are um, you know, in, in, a, in a good position to get into the playoffs. Um, I'm going for a scoreline bet. Um, I'm going for Peterborough to win 1-0 at 10-1. Um, at to 1. Um, Again, because I'm, I'm impressed by the way they're setting up defensively at the moment. And Sunderland, you know, I, I mean, it's not going to be easy, let's say that, if they do get the win. Um, I was tossing up, maybe doing just to win to nil. But as you say, time to try and try and, try and rack up the points. So uh, 10 to 1, 1 nil. That game, as I tweeted out earlier on the Not The Top 20 account, at NTT20pod, your one follow for EFL goodness. Uh, I, I tweeted that that was peak Marcus Madison, that game. Um he won the penalty in the first half with what was both a dive and a foul, if you if you know what I mean. Like the foot went in, 
But the way he fell, it was just like, okay, yeah, we've seen that one before. Uh, He then missed the penalty because he tried to do that thing that Ozil does, where you sort of scuff it into the ground in order to bobble it up a bit. And it really baffles goalkeepers, uh, except it just hit the goalkeeper. So he didn't score that one and looked a bit silly. Uh, He hit one of his trademark wobbly free kicks, which uh, bounced off the top of the bar. Uh, and then scored the winner with a, actually quite an un-Marcus Madison-like goal at the back post uh, after a cross went all the way through. So, um, yeah, great stuff for Madison. I mean, we're going to talk about him this summer a lot in terms of transfers, and it's fascinating to see where he goes and how he does, quite frankly, as well, because I think despite both of us loving what he can do with the football, I think we both got some reservations about how good he could be for a, uh, for a, for a championship side. But we shall see. My long shot is is Coventry to win against Portsmouth at Fratton Park and both teams to score as well at 9-1. I'm already kicking myself. Uh, Coventry just straight up is 4-1 currently on black type. So that would qualify for a a long shot. Um, I guess I I just... I'm adding BTTS because I know that I'm going to... If I'm going to get back to level somehow, I need a, a winner of this size, essentially. So... Um, Coventry to win at Fratton Park um, uh, Portsmouth as we know earlier in the season were not always that impressive at, at, at Fratton Park um, they've got more points away from home as, as they do than they do at home uh, they lost at home to Charlton to Blackpool and to Gillingham um, Coventry this is kind of more about them though because they not only went to Sunderland and won 5-4 the other day they also went to the Valley and won 2-1 early in the season they drew 1-1 with Luton away. They drew 2-2 with Barnsley away. So they actually haven't lost to anyone above them away from home. They beat Peterborough as well. And I think it speaks to their setup a lot. We saw it at the Stadium of Light, how every time they won the ball and, and managed to play it into one of their front four, um, the movement and pace and skill means that they're very much lent towards a, a counter-attacking style. And while Portsmouth are not exactly um, you know, the most possession-based team, um, they're not going to be camped in their own half by any means commentary. But, you know, Portsmouth has the as the team at the top of the table on the front foot with six wins in a row. They'll probably be the team on the front foot. And I do expect there to be opportunities for commentary. Um, Liam Kelly was fantastic on Good Friday. Two fantastic, fantastic assists. One for Jordi Hawula and one for my favourite player in League One, Bright Enna Bakare. Um, and I, I, I think that Coventry can do this. I think they can win at Fratton Park at 4-1. to one. Uh, and I think that I'm going to add BTTS to make it 9-1, to one, essentially. So I'll be absolutely gutted if they win 1-0 or 2-0. But, um, you know, but look, Portsmouth have won six in a row. So they are no scrubbers, it's fair to say. Uh, and, and their scoring goals, I'm not, you know, that convinced about their attacking play, but they do score goals. So I think a, a 2-1 or maybe a 3-1 for Coventry and I'll be a very happy man. Um, so that's us. Uh, for now George thank you so much for taking time out of your busy uh, Easter family commitments to uh, to join me um, it's been a real pleasure to talk to you on Easter Saturday Mate, it's been great speaking to you as well and I hope you have a lovely weekend yeah lovely game between Stevenage and Exeter which we previewed at the top of the podcast um, tell me what your pick for that match in focus was George and then run me through what else you've gone for uh, with your selections this week so yeah, Stevenage and both teams to score in that one. Uh, the nap is Charlton um, at home to Scunthorpe. Very strong on that one. Uh, Brentford to beat Leeds in the Championship. Uh, League 2 is Forest Green to beat Cambridge. Uh, BTTS, yes, in Shrewsbury-Oxford. And 
Peterborough to win 1-0 against Sunderland is the long shot. And just to remind you that my selections this week, a big week for me as I look to close the gap with just a few weeks to go. Stevenage and Exeter to draw in the match in focus. MK Dons to beat Port Vale, covering the minus one handicap at 7-4. to four. In the Championship, Norwich away at Stoke. In League One, Burton away at South End. Um, both teams to score no in Wickham against Walsall. And my long shot is Coventry to do the business at Fratton Park uh, with both teams to score at 9-1. to one. And, and that's it from us. Thank you so much uh, if you've tuned in. That would mean that, uh, that you've spent part of your own Easter weekend listening to us talk about football. And we're very grateful for that. And we're, uh, we're, we're incredibly happy that we've got your support and that you guys continue to listen to us and have done throughout the season. So please continue to. We'll be back on Tuesday evening to review the Easter weekend. Two big rounds of fixtures. Uh, all sorts will happen on Easter Monday. So there'll be plenty to talk about. Uh, thanks so much for joining us and we'll speak again soon.